Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good evening, or good morning, depending where you're listening to. It's a beautiful evening here in Leeds, England, and welcome to the Commonwealth Podcast. Uh, I'm Kieran, and I've got Anton with me. Howdy! (laughs) And I've got Eli. Yo, what's up? So, on this week's episode, we're going to do something a bit different. So, obviously, the main theme of the podcast is Korea, but Korea being slap bang in the middle of Asia, or at least in in a good place to to go to other countries from. Uh, we're going to talk about some of our travels, where we went to whilst we were living in Korea, because you get those holidays every summer and every winter, they come by, and then you you want to get out of the city, man. So, um, yeah, we're going to talk about Vietnam this this week on the podcast, which is a place that we all went to. So, yeah, Vietnam's an awesome place. Um, it's really cheap, and there's so many things to do there. So let's kick it off, and let's talk a bit about our experiences. So, Anton, when did when did you go to Vietnam? I think it was uh, a 17. It was after my first year I did in Korea. So I did, uh, no, I did 15 months in my first uh, job. And then after that, I flew to Vietnam for nine days. I like the main spots in Vietnam are Ho Chi Minh, Hanoi, and like, is it Ha Long Bay mm. that people go to? Yeah. Ha Long Bay. Um, I went to another place. It was called uh, Mui Ne. All right. And have you heard of Mui Ne? I haven't. No, tell us about it. It sounds somewhat familiar, but I don't know exactly the whole thing. So when I um, when I was done working, like I was fucking burnt out. So I was just mm. like, I want to go to like a beach. And I want to just like chill. So um, I ended up getting super uh, sick, like right before I flew out to um, uh, Vietnam from Korea. So I had this like banging head cold and like I couldn't breathe through my nose. And like when I was on the plane and like my ears were popping, it felt like my head was literally going to explode. I went to uh, Mui Ne and um, no, sorry, I flew into I flew into Ho Chi Minh and then I got like a bus and shit a bus and there was like these lay down things in this bus did you ever guys do that oh the the overnight buses oh those were dope oh yeah i did one. yeah because yeah. like so for everyone or two isn't listening these are the best form of transport you'll ever find in your life a little uncomfortable a little weird but it's absolutely amazing yeah yeah uh, so pretty much it's just a big bus like it looks like a uh looks like a tour bus almost but there's just like you lay down you can see, you can sit up too, but there's just like layers, like two floors of like these kind of like recliner style seats, would you call mm-hmm. it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're definitely just normal bus seats, but they lean back fully. Well, yeah, I was super cheap. Hmm. Yeah, they're great because like usually what happens when you travel, especially when you're like, oh, I have a week to travel or you gotta look for hostels, you gotta look for hotels, you gotta look for Airbnbs, you gotta travel, which usually in some of these countries, it can take a good part of a day to get from like one place to the other place. I know like from when I went, I was landed in Ho Chi Minh, was there for a little bit, a couple days. And then I hightailed it up to Hanoi and went to go through Hanlong Bay. But that's like a fucking eight hour drive. Like it's, you can fly, which takes you a lot less time, but it's, it's a doozy. So you can just take these buses where like I got on the bus at, we'll say 11 PM and then got off the bus at, Five thirty, six o'clock in the morning at my destination and then so you pay for it you sleep there you get free wi-fi and aircon mm. and they just drive you there while you sleep yeah i uh it's, it's unreal 
I was really impressed by that. Like, I got a recliner bus, but I also got on, like, a cubicle bus. So, like, each... You had, like, a little little area to yourself. It had a curtain and stuff. It had a TV in there. And it had, like, pretty much, like, a full bed. And when I got it, because, like, I paid for, like, a lower-class bus. Or, like, you know, just, like, a standard kind of... You got your seat and stuff. Wasn't expecting anything great. And I got onto the bus, and the guy said to me, he's like, oh, the bus you booked is, is full. So I was like, oh, crap. So he's like, oh, but don't worry, I've upgraded you. You can get on this bus. And I seen it, and I was like, this seems very suspicious. Am I going to get my organs harvested here? Like, I thought, like, it all seems a bit, like, suspicious. But, like, the guy just, like, led me to it. And you know, like, when you're traveling, you just trust people for the most part, don't you? Because he's like, oh, yeah, I do work for this company. Just get on this bus. It's going to, I went to Sapper. I don't know if you guys went to there in the in the northern mountains. But, uh, yeah, I got on this bus, and, it, yeah, it was about 15 hours like you said, Eli just like went to sleep and then I woke up like in uh, where I wanted to go. But like, I was so impressed by that bus, man. It was really comfortable. And yeah, <laughs> obviously I couldn't believe my look. But Eli, you talked a bit about Hanoi. So that's actually somewhere that we all went to. So Eli, why don't you tell us a bit about Hanoi and your experiences there? Well, yeah, like like I said, I landed in Ho Chi Minh. To be honest, I found it was just like kind of like almost anywhere in the city. There's a lot going on, a lot of historical sites and normal things you would see in almost any other city. Of course, it's all tailored towards Vietnam. Like I went to the National Museum and stuff like that, like where the where the tank broke down the gate and saw all that stuff. Like that was dope because mm. history buff. I love history. I may have hated history class, but I love <laughs> learning about history outside of class, especially mm. in the area where it's from. So ended up going to Hanoi. Didn't really stay that long in mm. just Hanoi itself, though, because like I said, I went through a boat trip through Ha Long Bay, which we'll get into when we get into the, the transportation aspect aside from this. So mm. I didn't really stay that long actually in the city itself. Anton, what what did you do when you were in Hanoi? I think you were there longer than I was, at least. Yeah, so I have a fucking funny story. I mean, not really <laughs> that It wasn't funny at the time. Sad but funny. About getting to... <laughs> Hanoi. So I was supposed to meet up with my buddy Sasha. He's uh he's a dude that I knew, uh, a Canadian guy that I knew that was living there. Um so like when I travel, like I'm always like flying by the fucking seat of my pants. Like I'm always kind of just like going on the fly and just like not like booking a lot of shit and like it caught up with me in Hanoi. So like you know how like you can get like you can get uh Wi Fi mm. um at the booths. Right? Like an egg. So like you yeah, yeah. So yeah, like yeah, you yeah. can land when you land at these airports in Vietnam, um, usually there's like a bunch of uh telecom companies that are offering you like whatever, Wi Fi, ten dollars for a week or this kind of shit, right? Hmm. It's so like 4G um, or something, yeah. Right. So my buddy was like, just message me when you're uh when you touch down, get Wi Fi, and then um uh we'll link up. And I was like, Cool, thinking, all right, Wi Fi is probably easy to get. No. I get there. It's like one. It's like one in the morning when I get there because I'm like fucking. I took a cheap ass flight from from Ho Chi Minh to um, uh, Hanoi, and so I get there at one a.m. All of like the telecom companies are closed, so I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, so I jump in a taxi, and uh, I can't get Wi-Fi in the in the airport. I can't get Wi-Fi in the taxi, so I'm like, ah, eh, fuck it, whatever. So I show him uh, just a a a pin on a gps like a map you know what i mean you know, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. how, like and he's like okay sure i guess so like i drive like f- like i think it was like 20 minutes or 30 minutes from the um uh airport to where i thought my buddy lived <laughs> so i'm in like this uh 
I'm like going around and it's it's, it's like one thirty now, maybe even 2 a.m. And I'm going like through this dark like neighborhood and it looks like there's there's no one around. And he stops outside this like gated house. And I'm like, uh, he's like, this is it. I'm like, are you sure? And he's like, I don't know, man. Like, just get out. And I was like, <laughs> can I use your phone? And, or like, can you uh, can you give me some Wi-Fi? And so we were trying to do like the uh, the thing where like he can give me Wi-Fi anyways. Wasn't fucking working. Mm. And I was like, all right, I guess this is it. So I like <sighs> jumped out and like I started like banging on random fences and like yelling my buddy's name. <laughs> I have like a big I have like a big suitcase. I'm walking around like this weird area in Vietnam. All of a sudden, like I see this pack of wild dogs. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. I was like, you, you finally fucked it, dude. Like you're going to get eaten alive. And like there's like six or seven wild dogs and they're walking like maybe like, I don't know, like 20 feet away from me, like down the street. So I'm like looking at stuff at like these bars and like this gate, like stuff that I can like jump up on and like just in case they try to attack me. And like they're just walking by, they're walking by, they look at me, they stop and then they they just keep going. I was like, all right, good, 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 good. And so I I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do? So thankfully, I'm like just waiting on, on this dead street and a cab drives by. So I'm like, OK, perfect. So I like flag this cab. I get in. The guy stinks like fucking booze. Doesn't <laughs> speak any English. And I'm like, hotel, hotel, hotel. Just like, so I'm thinking like it's 2 a.m. I can just get a fucking hotel, right? Uh, wrong. So, because <laughs> like in, in Vietnam, they lock all the hotels. Do, do, do you guys remember oh, that? Oh, I didn't. No, no, I didn't say I didn't stay in a hotel. I stayed in hostels the whole time and random like island inn type things. I was never in a hotel. Yeah. So anyways, they they lock like the lobbies of the hotel. You can't just really walk into a fucking hotel in Vietnam at 2 a.m. and like get a room. So anyways, I'm like telling the guy, I'm like, hotel, hotel. So he's like, doesn't even know what hotel means. So I'm like, fucking hell. <laughs> so he's like swerving. He's like scraping the fucking the car on the curb. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to die, dude. Anyways, he brings me to a house and he's like, hotel. And I look in. <laughs> I open the front door. I'm like, don't leave. Don't leave. I open the front door. It's a fucking brothel. <laughs> there's just like a bunch of women there's a bunch of women like sitting around in a room they all look at me and i'm like i have a suitcase i'm like no man no like hotel dude hotel and eventually he i don't know what the fuck happened but he like got it in his brain like okay he understood what i was talking about so he brings me to a fucking hotel it's locked is it there the hotel is locked i'm banging on the fucking thing they're like do you have a reservation and i was like no but i'll, I'll get a room and they were like, okay, cool. So I was like, can I just have the Wi-Fi right quick? And they're like, okay, but you have to get a room. I was like, okay, cool. So I got the Wi-Fi, messaged my buddy, dropped a pin at where I was at. And then fucking, I just went out of the front door of the hotel, <laughs> used the Wi-Fi because I still had a signal. And then my buddy just pulled up on a fucking, on a moped and just like threw the suitcase on the back. And he was like, man, what the fuck? Where were you? Yeah. I was like, man, I'm so happy to see you, dude. You know what happens. There's still a wanted poster of you in that hotel. And they're like, this guy stole our Wi-Fi. And he also did not enjoy our brothel. Fucking hell, man. I was I was <laughs> freaking out. Man, I've been flying by the seat of my fucking pants for too long. Like, going going to foreign countries, like, all confident, not booking anything, not, like, not taking pr- proper precaution. I thought I finally fucked it. Uh, but you got that. It's resourceful. Yeah, it was. But fucking hell. That was wow. my introduction to Hanoi. How about the days following that then? What did you find, what did you think about Hanoi? Dude, I loved Hanoi, man. The people were super friendly, like the food was fucking unreal. Like, did you guys party at all in Hanoi? I did a bit. 
me and the first time I went, I went and I met Cody, who we're hoping to have on next week. He's a mutual friend of all of ours. And when I, the first time I went, I went possibly at the best possible time. I went during the World Cup. Um, oh, sure. And like, Vietnam wasn't even in it, but like, Vietnam obviously, like the rest of the world loves football. So like, yeah, it was just like a really kind of festival atmosphere. And we went to a couple of bars and they've got this, um, what do they call it? They've got like, they make their own like homebrew. Like every bar has its own like homebrew. Do you remember? And it costs like, like 20 cents. Oh yeah. I don't know what it's called, but I remember what it was. It wasn't bad in a lot of places actually. It's it was surprising. Ridiculously weak. But one thing I don't like about in Vietnam is they put ice in the beer and I just can't fuck with that. But anyway, yeah, I did party quite a bit. Not like going ham or anything but like you know in in vietnam they still have the the curfew which i don't think the government enforces or at least to do in hanoi i can't speak for the purposes in in vietnam but like at 10 everybody just goes inside and then just like the streets are pretty empty it might be 10 it might be 11 but you can find still like little places to party and stuff but yeah, I yeah thought... like did the did the military come through and like shut everything down yeah, there's that street in there, you know, like that bar street in, in Hanoi. And like, they've got some really weird law where like, they're not allowed to drink on the street. So when the police come, as a sign of respect, they're obviously doing it illegally, quote unquote. But like, the police don't really care. But like, when the police walk down the street, they take in all of the tables and all of the chairs. And then just like, everybody has to disperse for a bit. And then the yeah. police leave the street. And then everybody just puts the table. Did you guys see that? I did. Yeah, I, I did. I like... saw a little bit of it. It was, yeah. it was pretty much just like, yeah, like, Again, it's one of those types of places, especially at the main bar streets, where it's like, as long as you're not being, like, overtly an asshole to either the cops or the locals, you kind of get away with whatever the fuck you want to pull. It's such a weird country, because it's like, it felt like, it felt like you could do fucking anything there, Mm. but then there's a visible, like, militaristic presence at the same time. So it's like, but for those, like, like I didn't know what was going on. I thought fucking I thought there was like something crazy going on. And like to paint a picture, it's like so there's a picture like a super fucking busy street, bars everywhere, restaurants everywhere, very festive vibe. There's these little fucking stools outside on the pa- on, <laughs> yeah. on the on the sidewalk everywhere. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the military rolls through and then everybody fucking freaks out. Everybody grabs everything from the fucking sidewalk, runs in. And then like I'm like what the fuck is going on? And then they're like no no no, like this is cool like this happens every night. I was like, what? So then like the military goes in like they had they had uh, garage door style pulleys like that to seal the front of these bars. Did you guys see that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They have them here in Spain, too. Like when they shut a when they shut a shop, like they pull like a a storm door down. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So they would do it. They would do it once they saw the fucking military coming. Right. And everybody (laughs) goes in. Everybody's like, shh. Yeah, so yeah, everybody's like being quiet. Turn the lights and then, like, off. Like <laughs> it's all dark. They turn the lights off, and then like fucking the military rolls through. They're kind of just like inspecting everybody, and then like the second they're gone, they yeah. open everything up again, and then it's like fucking fair game. I was like, what? The? And they were like, yeah, this happens every night, and it's just uh, it seems it was crazy to me. It's such so bizarre because like the military would know what's going on, but like they you know they want to like keep that like. Not authoritarian, but like, you know, level of respect for the military. What they're doing is illegal, but they know what's going on. And then when the military come, have you noticed the proper saunter through the street? Like, they're going really slowly. It's like, oh, would you just fuck off? And then, um, yeah. And then, as you say, like, they walk off and, and everybody just like, all the stalls come back out. Just, of the resume, just resume yeah. partying again. It's fucking wild, man. 
it is. It's, it's a strange it's, dichotomy for sure. Cause like, it's not even just like, Oh, the shop owners grab everything. It's like, no, like anyone, like if it's your table, you is your, like you're supposed to grab the table and bring it in with you. It's not like the shop owner comes out and takes your table away. It's like, no, no, no. You were sitting there. You grab your chair, grab your table, fuck off inside. That's and big. it's not like it's just some like inspector like that would like in Canada, it would be like a health inspector or like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It wouldn't be like a police. It wouldn't be a fucking military officer like rolling through to like shut someone's bar down. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That was something that was like really uh, not alarming, but just like I was just surprised. I was like, wow, this is fucking nuts. Yeah, I escaped most of that, though, because like I said, like I went on a what was it? A three day boat tour. And again, you're on a remote island. You have to get water taxied into. Yeah, you didn't see any military or anything. You just kind of hung out and chilled on an island, which I, it was a beautiful spot, even though it was kind of like Karen said, like we go on all these different like little mini trips and stuff. And But some of the companies see are quite sketchy. Like, you know, one of the, the overnight bus halls I was on, the actual main storefront for that company was the sketchiest thing ever. I figured we, I was going to get on one of those like rickety ass, uh, <laughs> rickety ass buses that literally just was like, going to fall apart. But like that turned it out fine. I ended up on a, a boat tour that was like a knockoff of the actual boat tour that I ended up like we weren't going to stay overnight because you, you stay a night on the boat and you stay a night on an island, a night or two on an island. And we changed our minds. I was there with Caitlin, one of our friends, and I ended up we ended up changing our mind halfway through like, oh, no, we'll stay an extra night and just move to Cambodia the next day or something like that. And like they tried to like triple charge us just to stay the extra two nights. And like yeah. Caitlin had to like get into it with some guy because the guy was just not in the mood to get in with it yeah. and thanks thank, thank, thank you for her like we ended up in this dope spot but yeah like she she did all the legwork there wholeheartedly like if that wasn't for her i probably just would have fucked up I'm like i'm not paying triple the money nope but i'm really glad i did kieran uh what was your favorite part of uh vietnam in vietnam so once i met cody and then when i left my when i finally left avalon at long last as we said before I did. Uh, I did. I was. I went traveling for six weeks. So I did Vietnam and Japan. So the second time I went back to Vietnam, I went to Da Nang, Hoi An. Uh, where else did I go? Hanoi and Sapa. So within that trip, I probably got to say Hoi An. So like it's down near Da Nang. So like quite central. And the best way to describe it would be like a, a Studio Ghibli movie. So like they've got like all the lanterns. Like they've got like this like beautiful river that runs through and just like the aesthetic of the place is just like so amazing and like it's got everything there really like you know you can see some like really cool like you know like ancient Vietnamese architecture or you can like you can party like I met some British people there with like partied and stuff so that was really cool uh yeah I'd probably say Hoi An that's really close to a place called Da Nang too uh, which is like these beautiful like white sand beaches and stuff but that's more of a party area met quite a few people there a couple of a uh, couple of americans and a guy from australia but yeah probably that second trip and then just between danang and hoi an just because you know we're talking about some place in korea having like duality but like you can have this like nice sandy beach party town and then like a more quaint place really close to it so i'd probably say yeah those two uh danang and hoi an were the best for me but one thing i did notice very similar with korea it's just the diversity of foods that you can have in, in Vietnam. Like some of the, the cuisine, man, is just out of this world. Eli, did you have any particular like Vietnamese foods that stuck out for you? 
Well, for me, like I was just a fan of a lot of it because I don't know. When I was a kid, I was really picky. So then once I stopped being picky, I just kind of eat everything at this point. Mm. And Vietnamese, like it was always kind of like one of those things that you went to. Like there's a couple good Vietnamese restaurants in Halifax. I used to frequent quite a bit and some pho restaurants in Korea. Like I used to live uh, above a pho restaurant and it was kind of dope. And I ended up like going there like, oh, it should be relatively the same. No, it's like a whole nother like extra level of just ridiculousness. Mm. So like, I kind of like to eat everything. And it was really, really good to be honest. Actually, it was there for my birthday one year. Oh, nice. Because uh, I, when I, like you, like I left Korea my first year and ended up in a week in Vietnam and a week in Cambodia, like back to back. Mm. On, like it was like on my way home. Instead of flying directly home, I just flew around a bit, which is really dope for sure. The great thing about that was it was so fucking cheap. Oh my right. god, it was fucking cheap. <laughs> yeah. Like the the Vietnamese dong, which of course coming from Korea was kind of a funny <laughs> word to have for their <laughs> currency. Yeah. Uh, dong means poo in Korean for those of you who have not gotten that far with us. Anyway, so it was so strange because there were so many zeros on their money. It's like, oh, I must be spending <laughs> right, like, yeah. so much fucking like I'm spending like thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands a day, and oh my god, I must be like burning through money changes over and it was like costing me three dollars canadian a day to be there it was like ridiculous how cheap it was yeah so beer's was like a, a couple dollars basically like less like sometimes you get a tiger what, what was the one with the fucking tiger on it uh I think it was called tiger Singa? was it called i think, Singa? I think it, no i think it was i think it was actually called tiger ah Maybe. really so here's for a little bit of context a hundred thousand vietnamese dong converts to 4.32 US dollars. So, like, you get there, you exchange your money, and you've got, like, you need, I think I got 5 million out of the bank um, the first time I went. It And it is, in fact, called Tiger Beer, and it's 11,000 VND, which is equivalent to about 50 cents yeah. US. And it's so, nice. yeah, you can get a can. Tiger's a nice fucking beer, dude. I remember drinking that on the beat in Mouine, and I was like, this ain't so bad. Yeah, no, not so fucking bad. The we- okay, the weirdest thing I just remembered this. The weirdest thing about fucking Muine was there was so many Russian people there. Oh, really? So people. I was That's staying true. in like this this hotel, and uh, fucking, I told you I was super sick, so like I stayed in my fucking hotel room for like two nights, two full days, and just like sweated and fucking coughed, yeah, fever, and cried, and came. But <laughs> um, it's the only thing that makes me feel better. Yeah, and. Like, there were so many Russian people there that Russian people would just walk up to me and talk Russian because they thought I was <laughs> Russian. Yeah. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. I, I don't, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. It was a weird fucking place. Like, I wouldn't, I guess there's sand dunes there, really yeah. sick sand dunes mm. in Muine. In That's what people go there for. But I was so sick that I couldn't go to the sand dunes. I could barely eat or move. Um, so I was there for like three, four days and just wanted to leave basically. And it was just like surrounded by Russian people and it was really weird. And this fucking Vietnamese guy, this drug dealer kept finding me everywhere I was <laughs> like, do you need anything like cocaine, marijuana, yeah. ecstasy, crack, <laughs> meth, like, man, leave me alone, dude. This dude and is I just that tra- traveling he salesman. Would by, he would roll by on like a moped and be like, access E. And I'm like, man, <laughs> oh, and leave me alone. I'm like, how do you keep finding me? Yeah. He's like, He's come like, with me. Anything. This is, this is where the story expands. Like in the brothel, they put a tracking device on you. And then they're just like, yeah, this guy, we've got him, man. Let's, let's give him, let's give him women. Let's give him, let's give him narcotics. We'll just yeah, give we him got one. Full package. Yeah. Uh, we got, we got one. 
So what about food, Samson? Was there anything that like you really picked up on? Like, How does Vietnamese food compare to Korean food? Oh, man, it's pretty I would say it's quite different. They use, there's like nuts and there's like peanuts and like stuff like that. More like soups and stuff, would you say? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like pho is like a soup-based noodle as well. Yeah, yeah. I remember like my my favorite thing that I had there was a duck pho. Oh, right. Yeah, it was unreal. So at the front of the store, they were just chopping off the duck heads. And the duck heads were falling in a bucket. (laughs) The duck heads were falling in a bucket right beside me. And I was like, that's fucking nuts. And but yeah, it, the whole duck. We got a whole duck, and it cost like seven U.S. dollars. Wow! And it was fucking delicious. Yeah, absolutely delicious. Like the, when I went with Cody, he took me to this restaurant, and we got like they were selling like Vietnamese samgyeopsal. Samgyeopsal is just um, it's a Korean dish, but it's just like pork belly, um, which is <laughs> very popular at the minute. But on the menu, there were just like all these like crazy animals. Like you can eat steak, you can eat dog. I wouldn't personally, but I mean. Like, no opponent to anybody who would do, because for me, if you eat animals, you eat animals. But um, yeah, there was turtle, but I, did, <laughs> I didn't really fancy any of these. So, like, I just got the Vietnamese pork belly, which was super tasty. And, like, just for the most part, I just found Vietnamese food to, like, be kind of like you said, Anto, like, nutty or, like, soup based, but, like, really healthy, man. I ate so much tofu <laughs> in there. <laughs> in vietnam and i've kind of carried that home too as well like i'm still eating tofu now but there was lots of like cool cool combos of uh of dishes do you know what i mean like there would be lots of different things in each dish but they would just complement each other really fucking well like there wouldn't be one overwhelming ingredient do you know what i mean like yeah yeah i i feel what you mean though like I, that actually kind of like you said you brought a lot of tofu stuff home i ended up bringing a lot more like using peanuts in my stir fries and a lot of right. nut oil to like make like peanut oil to make things like that's actually as weird as it is to say that's why five guys fries are so fucking good they're they're fried in peanut oil yeah 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 i remember seeing, they put that on the wall don't they so like you can you can yeah that's, what, that's the what they give you the, the big the big bag of peanuts while you're waiting too a lot of times you're there so um kind of segueing on like i did want to talk a bit about food and then like I have um I have a recipe because like I had like literally the nicest tofu I've ever eaten in my life. And like the 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 restaurant I was dead sweet. She gave me a secret recipe. It's just lemongrass, onion, pepper, oyster sauce, fish sauce, sugar. And I've never tried how to do that because I don't know in what order those ingredients are supposed to be like prepared and stuff. But just that like you know like business order giving away our business secrets to me kind of brings me on to what I want to talk about next, which is the people in Vietnam. So. How did you? How did you feel, Anton? Like generally, as you arrived there, did you feel like welcomed? Like how 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 was that for you? Oh man, generally, I I, I think everybody was so fucking nice. Like I said, when I first got there, I was like lost. I either of those cab drivers could have just like kidnapped me and <laughs> and like anywhere I anywhere I went, I was just so vulnerable. Like just being someone. That doesn't speak the language. I would literally trust fucking anyone. You could lure me into a black van if you told me that <laughs> we were going to go have some fun. So like, <laughs> And like the people there are just genuine, dude. They don't make a lot of money. But like I didn't feel like threatened mm. by it's obviously a bit more rough around the edges than Korea because it's just like not as economically fucking rich. You know what right, I mean? Right. Yeah, of course. Uh, 
and it's different and, and like it's just everything with everything about it was different but i felt like everybody i everybody i dealt with in like the service industry everybody that i fucking ran into and like met like friends of uh of the buddy that I was going to see, like his name was Sasha. And he's, I think it's like someone in his family is related to someone in Vietnam. I can't okay. remember exactly, but we got invited to one of their uh, birthday parties and he was deaf, but all, and all of his friends were deaf. So like I went to this fucking big ass birthday party. Uh-huh. There was like 12 people and it was like me, it was my buddy, Sasha and like they were all just like super fucking cool and like warm and like we all just like got wasted in this fucking mm. restaurant and like we were drinking huge <laughs> bottles of vodka and like smoking cigarettes at the fucking tables and just like having a blast even though like they were deaf and like they didn't speak english we were still just like getting on so yeah, fucking well yeah yeah recognize good people even like if you can't speak the language but mm. yeah i totally agree with you man like i point to this one situation to kind of convey like how nice Vietnamese people are so the World Cup this was during the first time I went to Vietnam and the World Cup was on so everybody's in good spirits anyway so perhaps that fed into this reaction so I was walking down the street and like during the World Cup man I just watched every game I just love watching every game during the World Cup it was some like rubber dead rubber match it was something like Russia versus I can't remember anyway it wasn't like a blockbuster match but I just thought I'll stop by and watch this thinking it was like you know like a shop or whatever so I started walking towards it and like I got past the threshold of the shop, but I didn't want to buy anything. So yeah, I just like stood in there for a bit. And then as I started looking around, it was like, there's only like what looks like to be one family in this place. And I just realized I just walked straight into someone's house, into someone's like home. <laughs> and I up. just I swear to God, mate, yeah, I don't know if I was drunk or something. <laughs> I just walked in and then they're all smiling at me and then like I think I realised I just clocked it but everybody was smiling at me so I thought I think they don't mind me being here <laughs> so they just I just watched a bit of uh, I watched a bit of football with them for, like, what? So you just sat down and chilled I didn't I didn't sit down I thought that might be pushed <laughs> but like it was just like you know because like the houses like they're like on the side of like a lot of people like just live on like the you know the side of the busy roads and stuff and like, like you said, they all have like those big doors and they usually bring down the shutters. But yeah, I just thought, because the, the football was on everywhere and I just thought, yeah, this is just, a, this is a star or whatever. Like, I, I don't know if like, I probably didn't consciously clock any items that they might be selling or perhaps I just wanted to subconsciously walk into someone's house. But like, just if you did that in the UK, man, <laughs> people would be like tying you up and putting you in the basement. Um, yeah, or America, you get blown away. Yeah, do you know what I mean? But like, just the people there were just like so, like not welcoming because they didn't actually say, "Please walk into my house." But like the fact that I did, and they just smiled at me, and we just watched a bit of football, and then I just like when I, when I realized what I'd done, I was just like, I should probably just like you know saunter out here. But yeah, I feel like that story just sums up what I want to say about Vietnamese people, like just really welcoming and friendly i would say a war- definitely a warm vibe definitely there yeah how about how about you eli what are your thoughts on that yeah like again like you still have the like the business side of things that can be a bit sketchy but aside from that like yeah like we went to a random island with like people who work there i'm pretty sure permanently and they put up with a lot of shit because they get a lot of tourists that come through and some tourists are great some as we know are not but yeah like super welcoming always wanting to give you a hand every yeah, like it was always like I never had a bad experience while going there. Even 
just like even when I'm getting like swindled out of money because I got swindled out of money a little bit because mm-hmm. it was one of those things like you see the people carrying the uh, the long stick with oh, yeah. the different baskets <laughs> on either side. Yeah, yeah. And first I was walking down the street. I think it was in Ho Chi Minh. And some little lady was like, oh, picture, picture, points at the thing. I was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> Get, gets her picture. And then she goes, uh, money now. I go, what? Uh, <laughs> uh, I thought it was just a picture. No, 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 picture and money. I was like, that wasn't part of the deal originally. <laughs> and now kisses. I, I did give her money. She did, but the thing is, that was, the funny thing was, like, she asked her money, and then she gave me like a giant fuck off bundle of bananas at the same time. She goes, "Here." I was like, "Oh, did she?" Like, so you you just wanted to sell bananas to me in the long run? So <laughs> she was all about the long game. She's like, yeah, "I know he's gonna, I know he's gonna yeah. love these bananas." Yeah, just like they were dope fun. bananas. To be honest, they they were pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Now, now give me, now give me your money. Now give me the bananas. Now give me your clothes. It's just like just a constant like transaction of like trading things. But yeah, that that happened to me a bit as well. Like I uh, went out to Da Nang, like the on the beach, like the lockers and stuff. Like they charged me a bit more. And, like someone told me she was like, oh, she's charged you more than she's charged me because like there was a local that could speak uh, Vietnamese and stuff like that does happen. But like when I actually figured out the cost, it was like a dollar. I just thought <laughs> yeah. like. They think they think they're ripping you off, but it's like in in relation to like what you, we would normally pay for the thing. It's like still a third of the price. So you're like, Whatever. exactly. As like you can even play U.S. currency in certain places for that, yeah, like right. in like bigger restaurants and uh, hotels and stuff like that. They they just accept U.S. currency. Same with uh, when I was in Cambodia, they accepted it as well because you can't get the Rael, the Cambodia currency, with outside of Cambodia. So you have to like wait till you get inside, and then they'll start like exchanging it with you. So I feel like we can't talk about Vietnam without talking about like the mopeds and shit. Oh yeah, that has to. So something that I like was the wildest shit to me was seeing what people had on mopeds. <laughs> yeah, right. So like I remember seeing a, I saw a family of five. Yeah. Yeah on a moped like the baby was on the handlebars and i'm like this is crazy and yeah i saw a slaughtered pig like <laughs> hanging over like both sides of the pig were just like it was like on like the place where your feet were supposed to be but the pig was just like hanging off oh my god um i saw a guy with 40 stools <laughs> you count just like yeah it was at least it was at yeah. least 40 stools just like stacked up just like on top of it and just like uh, this whole balancing act. And I'm like, it's ins- absolutely insane. I, like, I'm like, how, how is this not illegal? Yeah. yeah it's weird. Like they have like those stools we were talking about outside the bars. Like that's where their like three-year-old child is like sits as they're going down the, the highway, like in a battered hell. And there, there's not much for traffic laws there. But I could see, like, I know I, I didn't read like a traffic law, like bylaws book, but it didn't look like there was much direction to like, oh, I want to go this direction. Okay, just go this direction. Yeah, it seemed like, like go when you can. Yes. And like trying to cross the street. You guys remember trying to cross the street? Oh, it's fucked fun. Oh, it's, it's a like, game of Frogger. Game of Frogger. So like, yeah, my, buddy, my buddy that's lived there for like five years, he was like, just whatever you do, just don't stop. Yeah. So like when and don't hesitate. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. when you're walking across the street, the moped drivers will be able to see the trajectory of your speed and your the direction you're going and be able to drive around you accordingly. 
But if you do like some unpredictable, like jerky movements and like freak out and you stop, then it's going to throw them off too. And that's how you get hit. So like when you're, he was like, when you're walking across the street, just do it at the fucking same speed and do it relatively quick and just don't fucking stop. And then that's what I started doing. And I was like, it was scary the first few times. And then it was just like, okay, this is, this is how you cross the road here. Because if you don't go when people are coming, you'll never be able to go. So you just have to walk. Yeah, for real, man. I feel that. Yeah, like, like a- after going through Vietnam and Cambodia, it was honestly like I've never been afraid of traffic ever since. Like after going through those two places, it was like okay, if I didn't die here, uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be fine no matter where I go in traffic wise. I don't even know how the cars survive there, man, because like the road is like completely full of these like they call them motorbikes there but they're just scooters they're just like little yeah. scooters but they definitely dictate the rules yeah. of the road because they outnumber cars by i have no idea 100 to 1 at least yeah like, it, it's ridiculous if anybody knows why there's so many scooters in like i think thailand vietnam cambodia like please let us know but like i think it's just because they're cheap like yeah. gas wise fixing wise like it's not like you buy a new car and that kind of like the the parts for that car like specific for that car a lot of mopeds kind of i think are interchangeable especially after a certain year like a certain so many years back that is kind of kind of like everything that is like a like a, a honda will fit into like three other kinds of motorcycles as well like type of mm. thing i think so like as a foreigner you can get them really easily too you yeah. can go rent them basically i think you just put some money down and then you yeah. like pay them monthly you but it's like it's very affordable to have a moped slash motorbike. They're like they're like street and trails sometimes. Like if anybody knows what that is, like almost like a fucking like almost like a dirt bike. They have all kinds of different variations of the of the moped, but more or less they're just like they range from like moped to motorcycle. So one thing that I would note is like I met a lot of people that like didn't have driving licenses like back in the UK that got a bike, and you know like I mean. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's sketchy whether it's legal or not. But I would say for at least consideration of others and for your own safety, like if you're getting a bike, man, have a driving license. Know what you're doing on the road. You know what I mean? But like you don't need you don't need one. But it would definitely. Uh, I don't think they ask for it when they go and rent you one. No, they didn't no, ask you, me. But I did you have pay one, like some but... amount of money for insurance if you really want to be careful about it. It's like, oh, just give me this and you have insurance for a week. Quotation marks insurance. But yeah, it, it is kind of sketchy because like I've I've had friends of mine that have gone and just like not been on a moped a lot or not been on a motorcycle long enough, especially with like some of the the worser road conditions, and that it's end up eating shit and like leave Vietnam like with a bunch of fucking like road rash and shit. It's like you could have just. You could have just paid someone because, like, we talked about like Lyft and the taxis. Like, you can literally order a fucking moped to come pick you up and then to fuck off for like yeah. a dollar. Yeah, per right. It's called Grab, right? Yeah, yeah. Grab, so you might yeah. as well just like do that instead of instead of getting on a bike if you're not used to it and like, yeah, I'm gonna go in this traffic, which I have no idea how it works, and just kind of guess. Instead of doing that, just pay the fucking dollar per kilometer for some some middle aged man to come pick you up on a moped and yeah, they just I, come I, scoop you. I he'll, did, he'll show you the world. I did rent a motorbike for a long distance drive on my second time that I went there. So, like, when I gave him my passport, actually, but, like, they brought the bike to me, and I was like, I have a UK driver's license. I had a driver's license in Korea. Am I okay to do this? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, they were like, brought the bike, and they're like, oh, by the way, give us your passport. It's, like, collateral. I was like, what? 
And then, like, after a while, everybody in the hostel convinced me it was okay, including some people who'd also done this trip. So I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Don't like giving my passport, but I did it. And then, like, the guy, because it was 100 kilometers, I think, we went from, uh, where did we go from? We went from Hoi An to Hue, good big distance. We are just following the guy, this, like, <laughs> local guy. He was called Dr. Fu. <laughs> you like Doctor Who? He was like, yeah, call me Doctor Fu. So we followed him. And he was like, he gave me this proper elaborate situation. So pretty much, like, he told me at that time, like, I'm technically not allowed to be on the bike. But, like, I felt, so, they've got my passport. I've already in it to it. I've got to do it. And he's like, if you get pulled over by the police, you'll have to pay £200 in a fine. But what will happen is, if the police come and pull you over, I will come back and pretend to be a stranger who will pay the fine for you and the fine will be less. And I'm like, right, okay. And I, mate, I did this, so and I was sketchy. like, why have I, <laughs> why have I chosen to do this? But like at this point, it's just like you get deeper and deeper. And I was doing it with a, a Canadian guy, actually. I think he was from Toronto. It was called Ian. He was cool, but he was riding on the back of this guy's bike that I was following. So I was just on the bike on my own. So yeah, we left Hoi An. We took a slip road, and <laughs> I fell off my I fell off my bike and like the handlebar went into my rib and my rib was fucked. Like for pretty much the duration of the journey. The guy took me to a pharmacy, he bought me some iodine for my cut and my legs were all cut and stuff. I remember being on this road not so far out and like thinking, Am I gonna die? <laughs> like, cause the the cars were like bellowing past me like these huge trucks and stuff, and I'm just like on this tiny little scooter. But as you can probably tell, I did make it in the end. My point of telling that story is just like, yeah, that you, unless you've got a Vietnamese license, I don't think it's technically legal. You probably would be okay, but absolutely certainly do not get a bike unless you've got experience on the road. That would yeah, be just my don't advice. Hop on that motherfucker. Don't do it. Just you get could, a get a grab. You like could you straight guys up said. die. Yeah. Oh, very. Like, you could kill someone else. Like if you don't know what you're doing. I mean, again, like you know, you might say, well, we don't have a Vietnamese license, which is true, but like I've at least got. I know, I know the rules of the road, man. Like, I can drive. But, uh, yeah, you get a lot of people who just, like, probably just think, oh, I'm on holiday. You know, I can do what I want kind of thing. But uh, I do what I want. What's that for? I'm not really sure, to be honest. But, yeah, like you guys said, like, because you've got, you've got Grab, which is, like, Vietnamese Uber. Um, that's really, really cheap. But, I mean, the reason that I got a bike in my situation was because I was going, like, 100 kilometers or whatever um, on the high van pass. I did do a bit of that as well with Cody, but as I said, we're going to try and get him on. So let's talk about that one. Hopefully next week with Cody. But yeah, yeah just segueing on. So like we have talked a bit about like you know what places that we that we really enjoyed. Obviously, we've been to a couple of different places in Vietnam. So Eli, why don't you tell me about like just an experience that you had there? Like maybe like a point of interest, a museum that you went to. Or just like a place that you went to that really stood out. Maybe it was your favorite thing to, that you did in Vietnam. Honestly, like I know I've kind of been a broken record about it since we started the podcast here. The trip through Ha Long Bay. So when you go to Hanoi, Ha Long Bay, of course, is a big, uh, big factor and a big thing you can do there. So within this, you can book a wide variety of different boat trips where you're like, oh, you can go on like the really like old style, like paper mask like whole type of like the like the stereotypical like ancient looking ships you can go on those which are dope but they're a lot of money warning mm. we did look into that or you can just go into like these 
uh, boat ride kind of hostel ish type of trips, which is what I did with a friend of mine who went there. Cause like I wasn't supposed to go to Vietnam originally. It was like my friend was going to Vietnam with one of our other friends who backed out last minute and she came and she goes, uh, so I'm supposed to leave in like a week to go to Vietnam with this person, but they backed out. Do you want to come with? I was like, okay, looks like I'm buying tickets to things. <laughs> so we ended up in this boat tour and the boat was, it wasn't a bad boat, but it was like, it was like a two or three deck boat. And like, there was a big thing on the top you could kind of hang out at. And you go through a Long Bay in this, like they literally, they did like the water taxi you out to the boat and then you go through and like you go uh, sea kayaking and through like these caves and shit I went through. That was pretty dope. Nice. Uh, it was like all just like with a big group of people. Like I ended up meeting a guy from Toronto uh two girls from the uk and nice. two guys from the u.s actually randomly because like, like i found a guy we were on the bus trip to go to the boat and i ended up like seeing a guy with a blue jays hat be like hey so you like the blue jays i like the blue jays and we just kind of became friends and <laughs> nice uh anyway so we're on this boat trip just kind of fucking around doing whatever and so the first night you end up staying in the boat which isn't that bad it's again if you've ever stayed on like a bigger boat the Beds aren't comfortable. It's like an old, old boat too. So it's not super comfortable. It's not super great. So that part wasn't that bad. Except for like you have a keg party on the boat, which was kind of fun. <laughs> Warning, when they tell you don't swim at night in Vietnam, listen to them. Don't swim at night in Vietnam. Why is that? Uh, I won't get into it. Because like, so after the boat trip there, we ended up getting water taxied into a place called Nam Cat, which is like this random remote island in the side of Vietnam. And I'm going to put some photos of it up on our Instagram. It's absolutely gorgeous. And you, like, you literally get like water taxi into this little small boat into this place. And you stay in like this little cove that you can literally walk, we'll say 100 meters out from the beach and still be like neck high in water. Water's piss warm. It's, it's beautiful. So what happened was we found out once we were there that we were on like the, the knockoff version of this boat trip. There was the real version and we had like the... Like the the one that was like two letters were changed in the name and it was like the knockoff version. Turns out the real one was just like on the next island, like beside us. Like it was literally like almost touching us, but it was just up around the corner. So of course it was I think it was one of the British girls' birthdays. And we ended up getting fairly drunk, I'd say. <laughs> and this island had two kayaks. Like they're like the, the dual person kayaks that were just kind of sitting there. So six people decided to get into two kayaks. And try to paddle over to the other island to hang oh out with the other people <laughs> at like three o'clock in the morning. So one of the boats kept going, was great, got there and like played beer pong with all those people. The boat that I was in, uh, about half sank, about eh, we'll say about two hundred meters off of the the coast there. So of course, like we had a like the boat was full of beer and everything. So I put on my my life vest and I'm like floating around like an idiot, just kind of <laughs> grabbing my beer and going along through the waters, bobbing along. So, of course, I go and I swing my arm to go grab a beer. And first thing, I backhand it something out of the water. And first thing, my hand, I've never had something hurt so fucking much in my goddamn oh, life. Oh, God. I backhanded a fucking jellyfish. <laughs> I've also really? never been, Is that painful? I've never been sobered up so quickly in my fucking Shit. life. Oh, God. Like, it literally burnt. Like, it, looked, it honestly felt like I got shocked. And then it uh, burnt at the same time. We surrounded. it. So was it just one? I only hit one. I oh. cursed and was going into fuck this, fuck that mode. Oh, but I'm, I, I booked it out of the water and Caitlin and I think his name is Keegan. 
Yeah. Keegan was like, they were like, they're like, what the fuck happened? Like, I think I just fucking hit a goddamn jellyfish, and I'm cursing and going into one. Yeah. Because of course it hurts. And like, I get back out of the water, and literally the back of my hand, like, it looked like the jellyfish literally wrapped itself around my hand. Uh. So that sobers you right up. And I'm sitting there, kind of like still having a beard, trying to calm myself back down while looking through my phone, realizing that the box jellyfish lives near Vietnam. No. Having a little mini, mini crisis there being like, so how do I, what do I do with, what do I do with when I get stung by a jellyfish? Do I piss on it? Do I fucking <laughs> put salt on it? Do I fucking just sit here with my hand up my ass? I don't know. Yeah. So that was happening. And I, like I said, that you don't swim uh in vietnam at night one of the other canadian aside from me and caitlin got stung in the first night by jumping off the boat and during the keg party and then maybe like 20 minutes after i got stung caitlin was sitting on like the beach with her feet in the in the water got stung there too shit so like it was it was just like they were just death on canadians for like one the jellyfish are always just waiting for white people at night. They're like, they they always do every boat tour. <laughs> it wasn't just the white people; it was like specifically only Canadians because you had the people from the UK, the people from the US, and they didn't touch them at all. It was just yeah. literally three Canadians that get stung. I bet the locals like just laugh at us for doing stuff like that, and then they probably like just troll us. They're like, "Oh, the only way to heal that sting is have this elderly Vietnamese man piss on you. Your own piss won't heal it. It has to be him." <laughs> It was, I was freaking out all night. Like, so we're in this like hut, like bunk bedded hut, kind of like you have at a hostel with bug nets and shit. It's kind of not much to stay there, but for like the view and for where you are with the food, like the food was cheap. Beer was amazing. Like I'll send you some photos and this was amazing. But like, I was freaking out all night. Just been like, okay, so what the fuck do I do? My hand really felt like it was on fire for the next three days during this process. And I like woke up in the middle of the night and I heard one of like the people who worked there wake up. So I go outside, get my flip-flops on, and grab my fucking phone. I'm like, uh, jellyfish uh, sting, pointing at my hand. Guy looks at me and goes, like, I don't know what the fuck you're saying, dude. Just like, don't. (laughs) So I pull my phone, like, translate it and play the translation so he can hear it. And he just goes, I don't know. And just fucked off back into his cabin. (laughs) Yeah, if he dies, he dies. Yeah, Yeah, he dies, he dies. It's fine. So I, I wake up in the morning after two or three hours of sleep, go to the bartender, who is the only guy in the island that can speak English. And he goes, oh, I go, uh, I got stung by a jellyfish last night. The fuck do I do? He goes, oh, it's fine. Come here. Cuts a lime in half, squeezes it on my hand, rubs it in, wraps my hand. He goes, okay, uh, rinse in one hour. I'm like, that's all? He goes, yeah, you're fine. You want Was breakfast? It? Oh, yeah. It, 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 burnt, it burnt like a motherfucker because the uh, the acidity in it uh, eats the uh, alkali. Eats, yeah, the acidity in the alkali eats the 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 poison in the jellyfish sting. Oh no way! It left a mark like it was it was red and swollen and burning for the next three ish days. But yeah, like it it nothing really happened. Like it went away. I don't have a scar from it or anything. But oh my god, did it ever fucking hurt? Like that is and that's literally going to be burned in my brain forever. <laughs> that yeah, it sounds like you had a blast at the beginning and then things all went a bit. I just, I, just, I I felt like it was a good segue into what I was gonna say earlier which is like you see like people having fucking sick times like traveling on instagram and shit and then like you you only see like the the good points of right. that on the on the internet but like traveling is it's it can be fucking difficult it can be stressful but it's it's worth it in the end it's always oh, worth it yeah because the fucking experiences and shit that you get but it's not even close to just like 
the fucking Instagram models you see like at the whatever pool, infinity pool, yeah, like right, looking over yeah. the fucking yeah. sunset. It's like, yeah. it's like, man, like it's a grind and it's fucking hard and it can be scary. It can be expensive. It can be fucking uncomfortable, man. But like, it's, it's almost like in my, in my experience, like it's worth it every fucking time. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's part of like the, the greatest thing about it. Like it's, it's difficult. It, like it's a way to push yourself out of your comfort zone enough to grow. Like, yeah, like I definitely did a lot of things in the nearly three years we that I was gone from Canada at the first time at least. And yeah, like it, it definitely like forces you to kind of like nut up or shut up, like kind of figure out like what you want to do and like how you want to grow and stuff like that. I would never like like you, Anton. I definitely got myself in some uh, some sticky situations by just like eh, it will work itself out. I'll figure it out. Yeah, it'll come together. Works, don't worry. That works for like half the time, and then at least once you kind of be like, ah, fuck me. <laughs> like, how did I get yeah. myself in this situation? Make yeah. some plans. That's what I do. I don't like. I'm not like the kind of guy that likes to travel and like fucking have like a full day booked. First we'll go here, and first and then we'll go here. I fucking hate that shit. Like, I like to have one thing to do for example like all right let's go see this uh whatever museum historical thing and then whatever happens after that happens if i want to throw a nap in there if i want to get fucking wasted then whatever but i hate when people are like oh no hurry up like we need to go here we need to go here Uh, it's like i'm on fucking vacation first of all yeah and i I don't want to fucking i don't want to be like oh look we didn't get here because then it's like, I felt like my day was a failure. It's like, all right, I did the one thing I was supposed to. And then I fucked off and did whatever I want. I went with the flow. Oh, cool. Let's pop in here. Let's get a drink here. Let's fucking go eat something here. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's I need to do things on the fly when I'm traveling. And I can't have too rigid of a schedule. But I would recommend booking a hostel <laughs> and knowing where you're <laughs> yeah. at least. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Like, I'm like you. I pick, like, I'm going somewhere. I pick top 10 things I want to do depending on how long I'm going to be there. And like, oh, we'll do one or two things a day and then the rest of the day, oh, you want to go sit in a coffee shop and read a book. Okay. Like when I went to Japan, I ended up like painting postcards in some old man's house with my girlfriend for a rainy afternoon. Like it was the most random thing we found, but it was one of the nicest parts of the trip. Those random like offshoot adventures are usually the best thing, at least I find. Agreed. No, 100%, man. Like, I think that's a good logic to apply for like any traveler that you do. Or even if it's like, yeah, you know, obviously we, we center our podcast around, you know, our experiences teaching in Korea, but you can apply that logic to, to making the step to, to do that. If you, you know, if you, if you're listening to this and you, you know, you're going on your ESL journey or whatever, man, just like, just throw yourself out, do your planning and stuff, but like, just, I feel like just the throwing yourself at it is just a, val- a valuable life skill because like you can question any kind of decision and the consequences of that decision, but then then you end up just doing nothing and <laughs> you're just in the same position that you started. Yeah, in. like you can read about shit for fucking years if you really want, but like do a little bit of research and then just go fucking like balls deep, fucking do it. Yeah, I feel like we've gone full circle now. Like, I feel like that's what we said in our first podcast. And now this is what we're saying now. Not that this is our last podcast. Don't worry about that. Everybody was just like suddenly waiting with bated breath, I'm sure. Like, (gasps) oh my gosh, it's the last one. No, it's not really. But um, yeah, actually, we are, as I mentioned earlier on, going to hopefully have Cody Rodriguez. (laughs) I probably should have planned this out more, but like I have messaged him. So all being well, we'll have him on next week. Um, and we're just going to talk a little bit more because we lived in 
Korea with him. And then he currently lives in Vietnam. Um, I did meet up with him there. So like we've got a lot to talk about. Hopefully next week we're going to talk about Korea and also Vietnam together. So look forward to that. But that's going to wrap up the podcast for this week. So it's been a blast. I was very hungover at the start. and I didn't know if I could actually string a sentence together. So it's nice to know that I can. So it's goodbye from me this week. Bye-bye, everyone. See you next week.